What's going on, everybody? I hope you're all doing good. We're in a bit of a shit show lately, huh? It really is wild. It's... I don't know if I ever thought I would see this scenario in my lifetime that we're living through, but it is wild. But hopefully this podcast can give you a little bit of entertainment today. I think I'm going to have a good time recording it, so hopefully I'll be able to put a little positivity into the world. I think we need it lately. But I wanted to mention that I've learned a lot through this process so far. I know this is only episode five, I think, but I've learned a lot. And some of the episodes require a little bit more research from me than others. And this is an example of one. This one took a little more research. And so I'm going to be able to get the first episode out this week you know, this most of you'll be listening to this on Thursday. And I just wanted to let everybody know that I'm seriously working on trying to get more episodes out. I've been getting a ton of positive feedback and I'm just really, really thankful for that. I so I wanted to just let everyone know that I'm gonna keep trying to put these episodes out as much as I can. It's just sometimes they take a little more research and I'm trying to calibrate all of that still. This is uh, kind of a new experience for me. So I just wanted to reassure everybody that I'm going to try to keep putting out as many episodes as possible, but just wanted to send out a thank you to everybody that's been sending me support in in this journey. And I think that's something that people say all the time is, you know, thank you to everybody. And sometimes it kind of comes off as a little bit maybe shallow or not as heartfelt, but I I really want to be sure that I say thanks to everybody that's reached out. Like it's weird, but there's this thing where you put something out into the world and you don't know how it's going to be received. And then when it resonates with people and they let you know that, it's just like a great feeling. So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody that's been supporting me so far in this and I just really appreciate it. So anyway, let's go ahead and get into it. A couple of weeks ago, I learned about a new digital clock that got unveiled in Manhattan's Union Square. And it's a 15-digit clock. But the interesting thing about it is it's actually existed for 20 years in that location. And I think the New York Times put it well. Um, they said that, quote, the digital display once told the time in its own unique way counting the hours, minutes, and seconds, and fractions thereof, to and from midnight. But for years, observers who did not understand how it worked suggested that it was measuring the acres of rainforest destroyed each year, tracking the world population, or even that it had something to do with pi. And what was new about the clock, when I learned about it, is that during Climate Week, which ended on September 27th, the clock showed a message that read, quote, the earth has a deadline. And that was accompanied by what artists Gan Golan, I think I'm saying that right, Golan, and Andrew Boyd called the climate clock. Now, when the climate clock officially went online on Saturday of that week, it began counting down from seven years, 103 days, 15 hours, 40 minutes, and 7 seconds. This represents the 
years, days, hours, minutes, and seconds until that deadline for Earth. And I ended up finding out that the artist chose that specific deadline based on calculations that were done by the Mercator Research Institute on Global Commons and Climate Change. It's important to keep in mind that the particular time frame that the clock is counting down from, that seven years, is related to the deadline in which we as humanity have to take significant action to prevent a total depletion of the remaining carbon budget. Once that carbon budget is depleted, we are going to exceed the 2 degrees Celsius pre-industrial temperature threshold limit, and that's going to send us to a very, very bad place. And I know the last part has a bunch of jargon in it, so let me explain what, explain what it means through the research that I did. In October of 2018, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or the IPCC as it's known, they released a special report on global warming. Now, the IPCC is a UN body that was tasked with assessing the science around climate change and the effects that science claims will occur at just 2 degrees Celsius of global warming. That IPCC report found, essentially, if the Earth as a whole has the temperature increased by just 2 degrees Celsius from where it currently is, then scientists agree that our climate is going to change so dramatically that we will experience the following things. And I've got a little bit of a list here, so just stick with me. I'm going to go ahead and read off some of the things that that report found will happen to us if we experience that two degrees Celsius of global warming. We're going to get extreme temperature changes where 37% of the Earth's population will be exposed to severe heat waves once every five years. We're going to get droughts which 61 million people living in the Earth's urban areas are going to be exposed to. There's water availability shortages. And to show you a good example of how important the small temperature increases are, because I know 2% or 2 degrees Celsius rather doesn't sound like a lot. If you limit the temperature increase to just 1.5 degrees instead of 2 degrees, that alone helps approximately 200 million people avoid being exposed to a shortage of water. Now, at 2 degrees warming, all of those approximately 200 million people will experience a water shortage. We're going to get hurricanes and flooding that will become more intense and more frequent. There's also a loss of species and extinction. Where at 2 degrees warming, 18% of insects and 16% of plants will have their geographic range cut in half. There's going to be an increase in fires and deforestation. The sea level rise is very concerning to me because the IPCC report shows that at a 2 degrees Celsius global warming increase, more than 70% of the Earth's coastlines will see sea level rise, resulting in increased flooding, 
beach erosion, and salinization of water supplies. Also, the ocean oxygen levels will decrease, which is going to lead to more dead zones. And I found out that more dead zones means there are going to be more areas of the ocean that are unable to support aquatic life because they don't have enough enough oxygen in the water. There are poverty risks associated with this. So more than 100 million additional people will be at risk for poverty if the warming goes up just one and a half degrees or sorry, from one and a half degrees to two degrees. So once again, that's another factor of that half a degree difference between one and a half and two degrees of warming. More than 100 million additional people will be at risk for poverty. We will see an increase of heat waves. And those are going to affect cities the worst because cities retain heat more than rural areas. Think about it. A city has all those buildings, all that metal. It's retaining that heat. So the cities are actually going to experience the worst of the heat waves. And I thought that was very interesting. We are going to get more vector-borne diseases. Those will become more unlikely with that temperature rise. And I don't think I even need to touch on that, really. Obviously, think about how problematic the idea of more public health emergencies is. There's also going to be food security risks. Rice and wheat production will decline, and 7 to 10% of rangeland livestock globally will be lost. And just think about how many people that affects. All these things, really, as I'm, as I'm mentioning them. Don't just think about the what I'm saying is going to be affected. Think about all the people and their families who are affected by the loss of jobs that comes with these things, Uh, the disruption of the food supply. So you got to take the whole picture into account as well. And finally, there's going to be negative economic impacts, and that's kind of what I'm talking about there. A 2017 study found that the U.S. could lose up to 2.3% of its GDP for each degree of Celsius increase due to global warming. 2.3% of our GDP gone every time it goes up a degree. And so now that I've got your attention, let me go back to the clock in New York City for a second. Remember, that clock is showing that we've got a about seven and a half years to make serious changes before the damage done to the climate becomes irreversible. And at that point, we honestly just sort of hurtle towards the depletion of the entire carbon budget. We're not going to be able to turn things around at that point. And the carbon budget could actually be depleted as early as 20 years from now. The carbon budget is basically how much shit we pump into the atmosphere before we're fucked. And when we exceed the budget with that two degrees of warming, some of the things I mentioned are going to be the least of our worries. Now, next to the clock is an interesting thing, and thank God it's an uplifting part of the story. It actually may be my favorite part of everything that I learned because it provides a small sense of optimism, I think. 
So right next to that digital clock in Manhattan, the two artists have placed an analog dial that shows the gains that we're making in the current percentage of the world's energy that's comprised of renewables. So that figure currently stands at almost 28%, and it's slowly growing. And this is what they call the planet's lifeline. So what that means is 28% of our global energy supply is renewable energy, solar, wind, things like that. Unfortunately, as we sit here today, it doesn't look like it's growing fast enough. And that brings us once again down the rabbit hole. Because climate change itself, believe it or not, is actually something that most Americans agree on. You see, there's this 2019 Yale and George Mason University collaborative study that I found really interesting and showed that 69% of Americans think that global warming is in fact happening. More than enough people to be able to take an actionable step to stop it. 69% of people agree that global warming is going on. But unfortunately, it's not that easy. And it's not that easy because I found out that the issue isn't the fact that Americans admit global warming is real. The real issue is that Americans can't agree on the cause of the problem. And therefore, they can't agree to, on the steps that we need to take from here. And it's at this point in the podcast that I'd like to stop for a second and address the people listening who may be the type of people who just adamantly believe that climate change is entirely fake. And I'm going to be honest, if you're one of those people, this probably isn't the episode for you. We're going to have a bunch of other episodes about a lot of cool stuff. You can totally catch us on one of those ones. But this is probably not going to be the episode for you if you're the type of person that thinks global warming is fake or a hoax. And in fairness, according to that 2019 study that I mentioned, that's about 31% of the population. And that's more than I would have expected based on, I don't know, maybe all the hurricanes and the flooding and the fires that we didn't seem to be dealing with back in the 1990s. I mean, back in the 90s, we were worried about other stuff. This stuff wasn't going on. It seems very recent that we have this sort of devastating fires and hurricanes and flooding that we're experiencing. Like back in the 90s, we were worried about much better stuff. Like people were trying to figure out if that World Wide Web fad was going to end anytime soon. They knew it was coming. The internet's all just a fad. It'll be gone soon. We're just trying to figure out when. People were focused on a bunch of beloved pop culture icons. I mean, people were talking about how great Bill Cosby and Kevin Spacey were back in the 90s. So, you know, I mean, we were certainly occupied by other things because we didn't have catastrophic weather events happening left and right. Today, we're worried about super fires and double hurricanes. And I just, I, I would argue that it's very obvious that global warming is happening. 
but who am I to tell 31% of Americans that their meth habit is showing? I mean, I don't know how that number is possible. I don't know how there's still 31% of Americans who are like, I don't think global warming is going on, but there are. And trust me when I say, I know some of you don't like that I'm telling these climate change deniers to just go back to their echo chamber. You're probably a little bit mad because you feel like I'm telling those people that it's okay to be a science denier. And I'm acting like I understand their frustration. Honestly, you'd probably say something to me like, Nick, the science is so indisputable that we shouldn't just let people deny it. And honestly, you might be right. I don't know for sure. And I totally get that. But just hear me out for one second. So my theory is that eventually, and I honestly think it'll probably be very soon, virtually everybody that's alive is going to come around to this issue for two very important reasons. I really want to focus on these two reasons for a second. So one, this issue isn't going anywhere. The climate is going to keep changing. The science shows that. And we are going to continue to be faced with the crisis. And at the end of the day, as it affects more and more people every year, and when those fires don't get better and the hurricanes keep destroying coastal America, people are going to start to change their mind about how valid climate change is. That's just naturally going to occur. But I also want to focus on the second reason. And the second reason that I think this issue is going to gain traction is in regards to the people who deny climate change for a political reason. Those people are eventually going to come around to it as well. And what I think is I think that they simply need permission from their political tribe to accept the climate science. And that's likely going to come in the form of a charismatic political candidate who at some point is going to come along and tell them that they were right to be skeptical in 2020 because the science just wasn't good enough. I mean, you were totally right to deny it back then, but now we have this new evidence... We're the only ones that know about it. So now, I mean, you've got permission to stop denying climate change because the smart ones on our side of things, we know what's going on now. And that political candidate's probably going to come along when the political right fully figures out how to profit off climate change and they set their friends and family up to be able to profit as well. And there's already a political precedent for this and it happens to be seatbelts in cars so i want to turn to a wisconsin public radio article from 2017 that i think summed this point up nicely and what they said was quote seatbelts aroused heated debate despite increasing significant research in the 1940s and 1950s affirming their value in saving lives among the arguments put forth against seatbelts was that they could cause internal injuries, that they prevented easy escapes from cars submerged in water, and that the devices frequently failed. All were disputed by researchers, but opposition remained fierce. And 
this is while the research was proving seatbelts were necessary. But politicians drew lines in the sand, and ultimately, it took until 1968 for seatbelts to become a legal requirement in all U.S.-made cars. And I think this is going to be similar with climate change. The science has been around for a long time. They were doing science on seatbelts in the 40s and 50s, and it took until 1968 to actually get a law passed that made seatbelts mandatory. And I guess maybe that's my optimism talking, but I think that that is where we're headed with climate change, ultimately. But either way, like I said, I just don't think you need to worry. The people that are already either turning off this episode right now or they did turn it off, I think they're going to be back someday. And to be honest, a lot of them are probably going to be helpful in terms of bringing allies to this fight. And so I just I wouldn't really worry too much about the hardline climate change deniers, the people that turned this episode off already. I just wouldn't stress about it too much. I really do believe that those people are going to come back around on this. So I guess we have to wait and see, but that's my view on it at least. And so learning about this climate clock in New York City brought me to a fair amount of climate change questions. And Admittedly, I was already familiar with the issue as a whole, but like I've said on this podcast before, being familiar with something isn't a reason to stop learning about it. So I decided to dive more specifically into why there's even a disagreement on this issue. For starters, I want to preface this all with the most important part. According to NASA, which is a federal agency, which is currently under Donald Trump's administration, a president who supports NASA so much that he touted the creation of the Space Force. NASA itself published studies and information in 2019 during the Trump administration that says, quote, yes, The vast majority of actively publishing climate scientists, 97%, and keep that number in mind, agree that humans are causing global warming and climate change. Most of the leading science organizations around the world have issued public statements expressing this, including international and U.S. science academies, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, and a whole host of reputable scientific bodies around the world. So 97% of scientists agree that we, humans, us, are the cause of climate change. And I can't believe I have to say this, but yes, we are. That is correct. We invented cars and planes like 100 years ago. We've been pumping fossil fuels into the air like crazy for the last hundred years. And guess what? Dinosaurs didn't have spirit airlines 
doing 1999 flash sales for airline tickets like it's a KFC Pizza Hut family combo bucket. Of course we're the ones causing climate change. But the important part of that comment by NASA is the phrase, humans are causing global warming and climate change. Because as much as I can say it and point to it, that's actually where a large amount of the problems arise. Because while 97% of scientists agree that humans are causing climate change, a 2019 Pew Research Center study shows that 20%, one out of every five U.S. adults, say human activity either contributes very little or none at all to climate change. One out of five adults. And 35% of U.S. adults, so that's one out of every three, say natural patterns of the earth or cycles contribute a great deal. So more so than the human contributions. And that right there is the exact problem. That is it distilled down to its purest form. One of every three American adults believes that the Earth's natural cycles are what's causing climate change today. Humans and all our fossil fuel usage over the last hundred years has very little or nothing to do with it at all is what those people will tell you. That is their viewpoint. And so guess what? I researched those claims too. Or really political talking points, as I would call them, because according to more Pew Research studies, the average American's opinion on the topic of climate change seems to directly fall along party lines. So let's go ahead and enter a new segment of the podcast that I would like to call... Nick learns everything about why 97% of scientists are correct about humanity's role in climate change. And 35% of adults have wasted my time because they believe a factually disproven political talking point that seems to be almost exclusively supported in right-wing online echo chambers. The defense of these points at times seems to border schizophrenia, to be honest, and often includes arguments that question the credibility of scientists at a massive scale and involves conspiracies about a deep state agenda. That's what we're going to call this next segment. Now, I'm not even going to make this podcast an opportunity for some of those more conspiratorial points to gain any airtime. I love conspiracy theories. I do. But this, I'm, this is not going to be one where we dive into some of the things that I have read about this topic. Most of the argument for a natural cycle of global warming with little to no human role being played is truthfully to me just a simple case of people trying to make it sound like they're playing 3D chess. And in fact, none of their points prove climate change isn't primarily caused by humans. So for some examples, I'm going to turn to the work of George Mason research professor John Cook and his organization, Skeptical Science. 
and I know the name of the organization seems a little less scientific than you would expect, but Mr. Cook published an award-winning paper titled Quantifying the Consensus on Anthropogenic Global Warming in the Scientific Literature. Now, there's some science right there. And guess what? It's actually real. It's not just some guy on YouTube using a few science terms to generate propaganda on a website in YouTube that literally makes money by feeding propaganda to people who enjoy that exact type of propaganda. And of course, as you've probably guessed, right-wing groups of climate change deniers tried to discredit John Cook's work for years until NASA, under the Trump administration, agreed with John that 97% of science, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, 97% of scientists have reached a consensus on this topic. And that very quickly took the sails, the wind out of the sails for the argument that was being made by the political right. Because when Donald Trump's NASA supports that argument, it's kind of hard to make that argument. Or rather, when they support the fact that 97% of scientists agree. Now, John and his team dive into these points with a lot more nuance than I'm going to here. But I still want to give you some examples of their work just to give you an understanding. So there are people that will say climates have changed before throughout history. Climate's always changing. We've had ice ages and warmer periods. There were times when alligators were found in places that nowadays are frozen over. Ice ages have occurred in 100,000-year cycles for the last 700,000 years. And there have been previous periods that appear to have been warmer than the present, despite CO2 levels being lower than they are now. More recently, we have the medieval warm period and the little ice age. Now, this is what people who do not believe humans have any role in this will try to argue. And it's just fundamentally wrong. And like I said, I turn back to the work of John Cook here because as he and his team have said, science has a good understanding of past climate changes and what caused those changes. And that evidence makes the human cause of modern climate change all the more clear. Greenhouse gases, mainly CO2, but also methane, have been implicated in most of the climate changes in Earth's past. When they were reduced, the climate became colder. When they were increased, the climate became warmer. When changes were big and rapid, as they are today, the consequences for life on Earth were often dire, in some cases causing mass extinctions. But people also say things like, it hasn't warmed since 1998. I have the data for the years 1998 to 2005. Temperature didn't increase. Now, this period coincides with society's continued pumping of more CO2 into the atmosphere. And once again, people will say that. But in fact, science shows us 
that every part of the Earth's climate system has continued warming since 1998, with 2015 shattering temperature records. Even if we ignore the long-term trends and we just look at record breakers, 2015, 2014, 2010, 2005, we're all hotter than 1998. The myth of no warming since 1998 is based on the satellite record estimates of the temperature of the atmosphere. However, as discussed by Peter Sinclair, even that argument is no longer accurate. The satellites show warming since 1998 too. And we could continue to go down this path, but I think you get the point. The science supports the fact that we are the cause of climate change, and 97% of scientists agree on that. Just because you say some sort of like obscure fact, like the Earth hasn't warmed since 1998, does not mean that that is actually true. And... I think the more important part there is you may have heard that at a time that was prior to that satellite data being proven to be wrong. And I think that's an important point because I think people need to understand that when new data is presented, you should reform your thinking. I think too often people learn about something when it's relevant and topical. Then they get sucked into sort of the media and marketing machine that turns it into a political talking point. And they don't go back and look over any new information or new research. And so they get stuck in this idea and then 20 years later, they still have the same thought on that idea even though all of the science has changed. And although I wish that could have been the way that I ended this episode, it isn't. And that's because I found a very fascinating group of people. I found out that there are people who, after hearing all of the data, will still say it's a natural cycle. And we shouldn't move forward with any plan to fix it because there's nothing that need to be fixed. Humans aren't causing this. It's a natural cycle. Then everything's going to be fine. And those people we can actually prove statistically only feel that way due to a political tribalism. We can actually prove that statistically. They try to mask that tribalism with a bunch of unsubstantiated arguments. Like I said, the 3D chess thing. And... At the end of the day, it's just full of a bunch of poorly made YouTube arguments. And I think that that by itself is a really fascinating look into human psychology. And maybe a look into the system that we've created where people feel like they can't sort of reform their thinking about certain topics, especially topics that have become very politicized. But even if you think it's a natural cycle, and no matter what I say, you cannot be convinced that humans play a role in global warming or climate change at all. Then to those people I ask you, 
why do you still not want to take any active measures to slow down the warming that's widely agreed upon? I mean, even if we don't agree on the cause of the warming, then why should we still not take any actions to slow it? We already established that 69% of Americans believe that global warming is happening. And we can see the devastation caused by the fires and flooding. According to NASA, 2010 to 2019 was the hottest decade ever recorded. Yet you're going to tell me that we don't need to take any serious actionable steps. My argument is, even if you do not want to come off the fact that you still think it's a cycle, why should we not be trying to do anything in 2019 to slow that cycle down and to prevent the warming that we see and seem to agree is going on? So let's take a second and consider a scenario. Completely hypothetical, of course. If in the entire history of your neighborhood, you had encountered the standard, scientifically agreed upon amount of bears in your neighborhood. There had never been a string of bear sightings. And sure, you might live there for a while. And maybe depending on where you live, there's an occasional bear sighting or something like that. But all in all, you could agree that you had the normal amount of contact with bears throughout the history of that neighborhood. And then all of a sudden, from 2010 to 2019, in that decade, your neighborhood experienced the most aggressive spree of bear mischief of all time. Everywhere you looked, bears were decimating the economy, they're preventing people from going to work, they're blocking driveways, they're lighting fires and flooding people's homes... There's issues with the food supply because the bears are just stealing people's groceries. The bears are killing people in mass. And those trends are just continuing. Because all that stuff's going on with climate change. In fact, 69% of the people in your neighborhood were in agreement that the bears are real. And that would open up a lot of questions about the other 31%. But to be honest, I kind of made that point earlier. If that were the case, I don't think you'd find yourself driving in the neighborhood block party, listening to Bruce Springsteen wearing a fucking American flag as a dress and saying stuff like, guys, there's nothing to worry about. Sure, these bear attacks are happening more and more, but most of us seem to agree that these bears are just part of nature and this is a cycle. But really, it's just these damn libs want to use these naturally occurring bear crimes to raise our taxes and promote their no bears new deal. I just I don't think you would be doing that. I think instead you'd be having an outdoor block, or you wouldn't be having an outdoor block party at all. You'd probably be actively in the middle of an actionable plan to get more information about how to prevent the issues caused by the bears. You'd also probably be buying a shitload of bear spray and bear traps, probably a couple guns, because even though the bears are found in nature, it seems to be problematic, and we probably shouldn't allow their natural cycle of murder and mayhem to just decimate the population and the economy and the food supply. 
and I'm not exactly trying to make fun of people with all this. All I'm trying to do is just ask them to slow down and look at the actual science. I would like for people to be able to consider that they might need to admit they're wrong. Or at least they were wrong originally when there was less information available to them. And I get it. You probably got stuck in the mindset of your particular politics and you don't want to admit that you might have been wrong. So you just decide, you know what, I'm just going to ride this out. Like, ah, the science is kind of turning. I don't know if I'm right, but you know what, I'm just going to stick to my guns here. I don't want to turn on my political tribe. And I really do understand that. I'm just saying that now with the science that we have available, it might be time to change your position and really consider how important this issue is to you as a whole. Especially now that we have all this new information. And if it's very high on your list of priorities in light of this new information, I recommend allowing it to advise your politics. To be honest, I think the entire sol- honestly, the entire situation is an example of something where the difference of opinion needs to focus on how to solve the problem and move forward. When you have a situation where almost 70% of Americans agree there is global warming, and then 97% of the scientists agree on the cause of the global warming and of the climate change, then I think it's time to start immediately working on a solution. Yet, as we sit here today, the difference of opinion is unfortunately about whether or not there's even a problem and what's causing that problem. That is absurd, and it's starting to get dangerous because we have seven and a half years to take serious steps towards a solution, period. That is it. And our partisanship and our political tribalism are literally driving us towards a serious problem that we are not going to be able to fix later. Like I've said before, We need to be a well-informed population so that we can focus our debates in public and in private on how to fix the problems that humanity is facing. The fact is that our current rate of climate change is very real, very dangerous, and very much caused by humans. We can actually affect change if we understand our reality. The science supports those conclusions wholeheartedly. We need to be focused on how to fix the problem, not whether the problem is real or what's the cause of it. 97% of scientists agree on what causes it. That is not something we need to debate anymore. And I seriously cannot stress that enough. We need to focus on how. Do we make a positive impact as humans? Because right now, we are the cause of the negative impact. Now, trust me, I want people to question everything. 
That's the idea of this podcast. I want people to learn about things and ask questions, and climate change is no different. But the point that I make is when you're questioning something and your question is answered unequivocally by all but 3% of scientists, it's just time to get on the bandwagon and start looking for something else to ask questions about. Now, if that scientific data changes in the future, then we can definitely revisit it. I'm not against that at all. But for now, it seems like the only path forward is in the direction of how do we reduce the impact of humanity on climate change? Because we are the ones causing it. So that's it. I mean, that right there is the current state of climate change in America. The biggest issue that we have right now with climate change is the disagreement on what's causing it. And to me, it's insane. Before you make any judgment, honestly, go look for yourself. Don't take my word for it. I mean, at the end of the day, what do I know? Honestly, I feel like I always have to use spell check when I write the word guarantee on anything. It is a tough one. And I mean, how can you even trust what I'm saying then if I have to use spell check for a word so simple as guarantee? But at the end of the day, all joking aside, I think that we need to start having these conversations and allowing the science to speak first. As always, shout out to my family and friends. I, I just want to say thanks again. I want to always try to make sure I end every show with that. So I'll see you guys next time. Uh, until then, keep asking questions. Don't be afraid to admit when you don't know something. I think that's so important, especially in this particular instance. And I'll see you guys later.